Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome everybody to the Pods Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you're well. It is Easter. Okay, not quite yet, but it will be Easter this Sunday. It's on its way. We are in a whole new world and surely that is going to be different from all other years that, oh, hmm, let me think, since, uh, I don't know, since Jesus came to this earth, we're going to have a whole different Easter this time around. We're going to talk about that today on the Pod's Honest Truth and a whole lot more, especially religious freedom, getting to that in a moment. But I don't know about you, I'm preparing the Easter Easter basket now uh, for my household. Uh, I've got grown kids, but I do have a teenager, so I've got to prepare an Easter basket uh, for her. I'm thinking uh, this year going to be a little different. We'll throw some toilet paper uh, in the Easter basket. Got to put some hand sanitizer in there. You know, I saw a Dr. Fauci bobblehead on eBay, thinking about throwing that in there. Antibacterial soap, clearly got to be there. Uh, canned goods, I think we're going to go with the Easter basket this year. We'll put some canned goods in there, non-perishable, uh, no jelly beans this year, a mask, clearly. The CDC hotline number, got to throw that in, obviously. Uh, at this point, I'm not going to put any hydroxychloroquine in there quite yet. Uh, let me see what the FDA has to say about it, that, and then maybe we'll throw that in as well. Uh, as Donald Trump says, what do you have to lose, right? All right. So anyhow, that's the Easter basket in 2020. Uh, not necessarily optimal, uh, especially uh, from a child perspective. They want, you know, those marshmallows and the Easter egg, uh, jelly beans and all that. But instead, they're getting a mask and antibacterial soap. But hey, look, uh, you got to take one for the team. Uh, but this Easter is different. I mean, online services everywhere. We're going to have drive-in services. No Easter egg hunts. Sorry about that. Uh, no stuffing yourself at the Easter buffet. That is something I will sorely miss. Uh, but here's the good news, everybody. And I've got good news for you. Coronavirus can't stop Jesus. Hey, uh, even though church will be held online this Easter Sunday, doesn't matter. Because you know why? Jesus rose from the dead, no matter if it was online or in person. He rose from the dead. He's alive. And as we like to say in Christianity, he has risen. And oh, by the way, want to be an equal opportunity uh, religious, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I just want to give out a shout out on the other side, uh, if you will, to my good Jewish friends over there. Happy Passover to you goes down at sundown tonight, taping this on a Wednesday morning. So Wednesday night, first night of Passover, a big shout out to my Jewish friends. Happy Passover. Many memories for me. You know, I grew up Jewish. And I know God's got a sense of humor because my liberal Jewish mother watches me on the Christian Broadcasting Network. So go figure uh, and, and meditate and pontificate on that for a moment. Uh, but I got to tell you, I really have quite a few memories uh, from Passover. Uh, the gefilte fish, uh, not a good one. I can tell you that right now. Uh, and my warning to all children, all Jewish children across America, run away from the gefilte fish. Go for doubles. Go for a double portion on the matzo ball soup. But when it comes to gefilte fish, look, there's no upside. 
All right, just no upside. So get away from that. Uh, that will be coming tonight at the Passover. Well, I guess from a virtual standpoint, I don't know how you're going to do it. But if it's in front of you, stay away. Also, for me, uh, the Haggadah that we read from, page 34, always the key, which was dinner, uh, halftime. Uh, I never quite knew where we were in the Seder because a lot of it was in Hebrew. So I would just keep looking at other people. And as they would turn the page, I'm like, we're getting closer to page 34. This is good. And then boom, page 34, dinner time, which was beautiful. Uh, the afikomen, which is like dessert, you know, matzah, uh, th- broken in three. It's kind of a long spiritual story. We'll do that on another podcast. Anyhow, that was the dessert. And, you know, someone from the family would hide it. The person that was running the Seder for me was like Uncle Herb or Uncle Joel or Uncle Victor. Uh, They would hide the afikomen and the children would have to go around and find it. And if you find it, you win some money. Now, hey, it's Passover Seder. Look, you're not breaking the bank here, okay? So, like, it was like, I don't know, I got like $2.75, something along with maybe one year I got $5 adjust for inflation. The bottom line, it wasn't much back in the 70s. Uh, but that was kind of my uh, Passover experience. I did drink, uh, well, let me rephrase that. I had a few sips of wine, okay? You're supposed to drink four cups of wine. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I drank uh, just a few sips and then I was told, that's it, you're done. Anyhow, on the podcast today, Tony Perkins uh, will be with us from the Family Research Council. He's president of the Family Research Council, and he'll be talking about this big event in Louisiana that he and other pastors are going to have near Baton Rouge. Uh, it's a drive-in worship service, sunrise, kind of a morning, Easter morning service down there. And he will talk about that and also talk about this controversial pastor down there in Louisiana who he is good friends with. He knows this pastor, uh, but this pastor has continued to, in essence, defy local authorities and keep his church the walls of his church open. So we'll talk to Tony about that. I mean, clearly what we are seeing playing out Uh, is a public health emergency on one hand, and then what some pastors believe is a case of suppression of religious freedom on the other hand. I mean, so their argument is this, basically that uh, we're getting to dangerous territory when the government is telling a church or a place of worship not to meet. And so these pastors, they're still holding services, and they say that meeting in person is essential for the body of Christ. And they figure, hey, look, if abortion clinics can stay open, then why shouldn't churches be able to? And they also say, hey, they've been taking the necessary precautions of social distancing, hand sanitizing, and all that at church, so they should be allowed to meet. And they figure, this is part of their argument, look, you're safer at church than going to Walmart or a grocery store because there you're cramped into like store aisles inches apart from other shoppers. These pastors say, at least in church, we're keeping you six feet apart. So that's the argument on their side. We should be quick to point out a couple of things. First of all, this is about saving lives. Oh, by the way, don't want to bury the lead and being smart. And so it's not like the message of Jesus can't be preached online for a few months. I mean, it'd be one thing if the message itself was being banned. Obviously, that would be suppression. And you can go to China and other places for that. Then we are obviously in unconstitutional territory. I mean, obviously, uh, if a government attempts to stop a church from holding services with less than 10 people, And in the meantime, you're allowing secular businesses to operate under the same conditions. Then now that's completely 
uh, different. And look, the mayor of New York, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast, Bill de Blasio actually stepped over that line a few weeks ago when he said he was going to send the NYPD into these houses of worship and permanently close their walls if they didn't obey his order in the city. And remember also in Virginia, Governor Ralph Northam issued an edict actually making it a crime to hold a church service with more than 10 people. So that is clearly pushing the envelope and it's something we obviously have to be wary of. But I want to take a quick glance around America real quick to see some of these churches that are in essence disobeying a state stay-at-home order. And I do also want to do a disclaimer. Let me just say, most churches are obeying the guidelines and they have moved services online, which let me be very clear on this, is the smart and prudent thing to do. I don't think we're talking about religious freedom and I don't think we're talking about suppression of religious freedom here uh, at all. All right, first of all, Louisiana, we talked about that. Louisiana pastor Tony Spell, he's got this 1,000-member church called Life Tabernacle, uh, and he says we're defying the rules because the commandment of God is to spread the gospel. Uh, and not only has uh, he been saying that, but he's also been hit with uh, six misdemeanors, by the way, uh, because he keeps church open. But he says, and here's a quote from him, quote, the church is the last force resisting the Antichrist. Let us assemble regardless of what anyone says. Tony Perkins, along later in the podcast, to talk about that pastor in particular. In Sacramento, California, there are 71 members of a congregation. It's a Russian-language church uh, that had been infected with COVID-19. Apparently, they're still meeting in gatherings, not in the church, but in homes, in essence, in Bible studies. And still, because it's more than 10 in a Bible study, they're defying the statewide ban. Uh, So that's happening out in Sacramento. Then there's Harris County, Texas. You've got at least four churches down there. They've actually filed suit against a judge down there saying that that stay-at-home order in their area, in the Houston area, infringes on their First Amendment rights. And we go to Tampa, Florida. We've talked about this pastor before. This is Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. He's of the River Church. He was actually arrested about a week, week and a half ago for violating a county order uh, by hosting uh, a large number, about 500 or so, in his church. They didn't observe social distancing Um, guidelines. Now, he says he'll go online for now, but he could be back like Arnold. I'll be back. Uh, And in Ohio, uh, Solid Rock, it's a big mega church. They're holding services despite warnings from state and local officials. officials. Did I say fishes? You know, Jesus, fish. That's where I was going. But it's officials. Anyhow, Las Vegas, uh, at least one church in Vegas planning to open uh, Easter Sunday service this Sunday um, it's called Open Arms Community Church. They have about 50 people or so. They say they're going to follow social distance guidelines, but the pastor says he finds it curious that alcohol is considered essential, but the church isn't. Look, that's how they feel. And, you know, there's obviously some truth to some of that. But at the same time, let's go back to not burying the lead and let's stay healthy. Let's be prudent. Let's get through this. Let's just be smart. Uh, and then move on from there. All right, back in a moment with the president of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, talking about religious freedom, what's going on in Louisiana, and drive-in church services. Back in a moment on the Pod's Honest Truth. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com/metaverseimpact. And welcome back to the Pods Honest Truth with David Brody. Time now for our interview with the president of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins. Uh, Tony stepping up to the plate this week to talk to us about a couple different things. One, big service down there in Louisiana on Easter. He'll explain how it is a bit unique and also about what's happening in Louisiana. This idea of religious freedom versus a public health emergency. A pastor that he knows well down in Louisiana, in, in essence, uh, defines state officials down there uh, and opening his church. Uh, Tony Perkins gives us the backstory on that. Here's Tony Perkins on the Pod's Honest Truth. Tony Perkins, great to see you again, this time on Zoom because of all of the uh, quarantining going on. But thank you so much for joining me. Uh, good to be with you, David. We, we're learning to adapt in the age of the coronavirus. For sure. Hey, uh, speaking about adapting, that's exactly what you're going to be doing on Sunday. Uh, big Easter service, but not the traditional Easter service in terms of getting folks actually in the pews. It's a bit different. Can you tell me about uh, the plans that you and others have for Sunday down there in Louisiana? Sure, David. You know, we've, we've been working from the beginning to encourage pastors to think outside the box, the four walls of the church, and, and not, you know, look inward. I mean, this is a difficult time for churches, you know, having pastored a church uh, back during natural disasters. You know, you miss a couple of Sundays, and it really impacts the, the ministry opportunities of the church from a budgetary standpoint. And so just encouraging pastors, look, don't think about what you can't do under these stay-at-home orders. You know, you can't meet with more than 10 people. Think of, think of, way, of what you can do within the guidelines. And I have to tell you, I'm very encouraged by what I see pastors doing across the country. And one of the things we promoted early on was doing drive-in services. I remember as a kid going to the drive-ins, uh, you know, the drive-in theaters. In fact, in the town I grew up in Oklahoma, that's all we had for entertainment on Friday, Saturday night, we went to the drive-in. And, and I thought, well, you know, churches have big parking lots. Why not do drive-in services? People stay in their car, you know, come as you are in your car and um, do a service that way. And so what we're doing, I actually got with some pastors in, uh, in the community I live in right outside of Baton Rouge and Central, and uh, we're getting about six or seven churches that are promoting this, and we're gonna do a big drive-in sunrise service at the uh, stadium parking lot, the high school uh, stadium parking lot, biggest uh, parking lot uh, available, bigger than Walmart. And we're going to bring everybody in there. We're going to broadcast it on a local FM station so people can listen from the comfort of their car uh, on the, uh, the radio station. Tony, tell me a little bit. I know you hosted that White House uh, conference call with the president and the vice president, Ben Carson, others. Uh, t tell me a little bit about the, the church response overall to this. You did hint at it, obviously, at the beginning, but are, are they doing more of these, whether they be drive-in services? What are you seeing in the church community in terms of different and various ways a church is being held? Well, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it really took a lot of pastors by surprise. I mean, they weren't expecting, you know, meeting one Sunday and then the next being uh, told that you can't meet. I mean, that ca it came about uh, quite suddenly without much planning. What, what I have found, it was interesting, again, uh, having been, um, you know, in South Louisiana most of my life and, and going through a number of natural disasters going back to the Katrina in 2000, 
2005. The churches in the, the South are kind of accustomed to responding to these uh, crises when they arise. Mm -hmm. uh, in other parts of the country, not so much so. And so it took a while to get the footing, but they've, there's been some very creative ideas. We've had uh, pastors that have just been in their parking lots on Sundays and cars have come through and they've prayed for families as they've come through, just putting hands on their cars and praying for them. We've had obviously the uh, Facebook live and the webcasting has grown phenomenal, uh, has had phenomenal growth. Uh, some pastors telling me that their viewership has, uh, has grown exponentially during this time. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, the drive-in theaters we've had, but then we've had ministry opportunities, which is really encouraging where many churches have turned their, um, their daycares that were closed over to daycares, obviously limited in number, but to care for the first responders' mm -hmm. children so that they could go to the hospitals uh, so that they could be, you know, the policemen and the firemen because their kids are at home. Um, so we've seen that. We've seen taking care of the elderly, you know, where they're the ones that are at high risk, they're shut in. So the young people who are out of school or have extra time taking groceries, um, taking medicines, critical supplies to them. So many, many different ways of, of opportunity to minister and some just calling. Uh, a lot of anxiety, of a lot of uh, uncertainty and just calling and praying with people. Some have turned their staff into prayer lines. Uh, you know, they, they've got staff, so they're just having them field uh, prayer calls and just praying for people in the community that are, uh, again, uh, unsettled and anxious by the uncertainty that we're facing. Tony, so many churches are stepping to the plate uh, in those ways and obviously closing the church doors as it relates to Sunday services and people not coming into the pews. Uh, obviously, down there in Louisiana, I need to ask you about this, Pastor Tony Spell, uh, who over at Life Tabernacle Church has decided to, in essence, go against the stay-at-home order issued by the governor. Can you give me your take on that? And, uh, you know, he, he's given lots of different reasons for doing it, but I, I'd be curious how much you, you know him and, and, and what this, you know the-, the, the I'm very familiar there. with it. In fact, it's uh, just around the corner from my house. Um, and when it first uh, came up, the sheriff uh, called me and asked me if I would uh, talk with Pastor Spell. I am familiar with him. In fact, uh, helped his church back during the flood uh, when uh, President, uh, then candidate Trump came down here to my church and uh, we raised some money to help in the relief effort. I gave uh, money to the, our church that raised the money, gave money to local churches and in, including Pastor Spell's church. So I, I'm familiar with him, know him. Um, I've talked with him multiple times. In fact, went to see him with the sheriff and, uh, and, and encouraged him not to, to meet, but to um, explore other alternatives. In fact, I had uh, arranged with the local Christian station, if he would be willing not to meet, the Christian station agreed to air his Sunday message so that his parishioners, some of which are children that he, some 600 that he buses in from the inner city, that he said does not have internet. I said, well, they can have access to an FM station and we'll air your message uh, on the FM station if you just would not uh, not meet. And and this is this is important I, look, I, I understand religious freedom, and, and, this, right. and that's one of the reasons the sheriff called me. I mean, I'm the chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. I travel to some of the, the worst places in the world to advocate for religious freedom. What's happening uh, in this jurisdiction is not an issue of religious 
uh, persecution or restriction of religious freedom. The message is not being restricted. It's just the meeting, and it's being applied across the board. I, I, I know all of the officials involved. I've worked with them. And this is an issue of endangering the community. Louisiana has one of the highest rates of death, uh, in fact, second only to New York per capita in terms of the deaths from the, uh, the COVID virus. In fact, my daughter, who was a trauma nurse, uh, in the local largest hospital, volunteered to work in the COVID unit in the emergency wow. room. And so I'm getting reports every day, even though she's had to self-quarantine when she's not working, she's living in a travel trailer so as not to affect, infect others. But I, I mean, this is real. Uh, and part of Pastor Spell's initial reaction was this was just political. It was created. It's not it's not political. It wasn't made up. It's real. People are dying from this. And my concern was a lot of these inner city children live with elderly grandmothers and grandparents who are susceptible uh, disproportionately to the effects of this virus. And, and, and it's, it's, it's disappointing that uh, he continues to meet and would not uh, uh, respond to what I think was very reasonable requests from the, from the officials Again, not targeting the message at all, but simply right. the meetings as they've uh, applied it across the board. Tony, do you get any sense that there'll be any budging on his part, or do you think he's no. he's pretty dug in? He's dug in. I think he's I think he's dug in. I think, you know, for for those that aren't familiar with the backstory and, and what I've told you has actually not been um, really publicized in any way that we went. Um, the officials, you know, asking for my assistance, we went uh, overboard to try to to help him continue his ministry, get his message out there, while protecting the the, the health and welfare of the community. And, but he's become kind of a um, you know a symbol of you know resistance to tyrannical government. And and I'm not saying that there are not places where some are taking advantage, like the, the mayor of New York who said, you know, if the synagogues didn't shut down, they would shut them down permanently. Right. Now, he, you know, whether he misspoke or was overly zealous, uh, you know, he's never clarified to my knowledge, but that's not happening here. Um, and if it were, believe me, I would be standing on the side of Pastor Spill. But in this case, it, it is not that. It is an issue of the well-being of, of the public. Tony, not that you're in official capacity with the governor's office, but I am curious about some clarification on the stay-at-home order, because it does say, unless I'm reading this incorrectly, I actually read the order, it says it does allow for an exemption of going to and from an individual's place of worship. Right. Now, clearly, some people are taking that to mean, well, we'll go to church then, but you're... Well, it, it, here's, here's the deal. Um, and I'm glad the government governor put that in there because it's not, it shows there's no hostility toward religious expression. Some want to go to their church and pray. Some churches have opened their doors to allow people to come in, a few people meeting the limit of uh, no more than 10 to come into their church and pray, mm -hmm. uh, to, to come periodically for the sacraments, however they want to do it, have drive-in uh, services, as we've talked about. So the point was not to limit movement. It also recognizes that clergy have the right to go to their churches to do their ministry. So that's what that was focused on. It was not focused on, oh, nothing's changed. You can still have, uh, you know, 2,000 people in a meeting. The, the meeting requirements are still there under this temporary order, but the, the, uh, the ability to go back and forth is not restricted. 
Tony Perkins, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate your time. I don't know if there's anything else you feel like you need to add. There's so much to talk about biblically and, and from a fear perspective during this time, but uh, and maybe you'll give me your thoughts on that before we close, but I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to share, Tony. Well, just for uh, for the readers and the, the viewers that are in our area, I certainly invite them to, uh, to come and join us at 7 a.m. for a sunrise service uh, this coming Sunday at the uh, the Central Stadium High School uh, football stadium for a one-hour service, community service. There'll be prayer, there'll be worship, and a, a word of inspiration for all those who want to come together and join us in their cars, keeping their social distance, uh, but we'll be drawn closer to God. Tony Perkins, a pleasure to see you, whether it be on Zoom or in person. Good to see you, sir. Thanks, David. Good to be with you. My thanks to Tony Perkins for joining me here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Uh, clearly a unique idea to do the drive-in uh, Easter service uh, here in 2020. But look, it is a different time that we're living in, in here in America, and you need to come up with some unique ideas, and that's exactly what Tony uh, down there is doing in Louisiana. And by the way, he's not the only one. You know, pastors at River Oak Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, are also actually offering prepackaged communion elements. What you do is you go through the church drive-thru. <laughs> what is it? Starbucks and Wendy's and go to the church. Anyhow, the church drive-thru on Thursday, church attendees actually uh, will be giving out those packets. And then you go to your home on Friday night and during a live stream Good Friday service, you take the communion. That's how the folks at River Oak uh, River Oak Church in Chesapeake are doing it. Uh, some churches, as you heard, set up have set up uh, drive-through services, but also drive-through prayer stations in their parking lot. So you go to the church, and there's the pastor and some other folks, and you kind of drive through, and they pray for you. And literally, they're laying hands on cars. That's right. It's like a Pentecostal laying hands on the cars uh, there for prayer through or drive-through prayer. That's pretty good. Bottom line. Uh, just to conclude here on the podcast, look, yes, there are some churches still meeting in person. We've detailed some of those today, uh, and they'll do so on Easter Sunday. But just remember, most churches are not. Most are heeding the warnings and guidelines set in place by federal, state, and local officials. So look, if you hear any nonsense in the media about crazy evangelicals who are going rogue or being reckless during this time of the coronavirus, just remember, those pastors are the outliers. Evangelicals, for the most part, are, are, let me say that word again, are, it's a small word so I can say, it, are obeying government authorities on this. As it says, by the way, oh, by the way, in the Bible, in Romans 13.1, you can look it up. Don't have much time here on the podcast. No, I have plenty of time, but I'll be honest with you, I was a bit lazy, but it does say obeying government authorities in Romans 13.1. Look it up. Anyhow, remember, this is not chipping away at religious freedom. Now, are there lines that can be crossed? Well, yes, obviously. Shutting down churches is a dangerous line to cross. So we have to be mindful of that. But remember, the message is not being muzzled. The internet takes care of that issue. This is about being smart, safe, and saving lives. That's it, folks. I'll continue to work on the Easter basket. I'm sorry about the toilet paper for my daughter in the Easter basket. But until next time, America, this is the Pause Honest Truth with David Brody. Mm -hmm.